Abraham. Now it's time for our Bible readings. So, Erin, where are you? There you are. Erin's going to bring us both of our Bible readings. I'll move some stuff out of the way for you as well. Give you a bit of space. Luke 12 to 16, verses 31. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was once a rich man who had the land which bore good crops. He began to think to himself, I don't have a place to keep all my crops. What can I do? This is what I will do, he told himself. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my grain and all my other goods. Then I will say to myself, Lucky man, you have all these good things to him. You fool, this very night you will have give up your life. Then who will get all these things that you have kept for yourself? And Jesus concluded, This is how it is with those who pile up riches for themselves but do not have rich in God's sight. Trust in God, then Jesus said to his disciples. And so I tell you, do not worry about the food you need to stay alive, or about the clothes you need for your body. Life is much more important than food, and the body is much more important than the clothes. Look at crows. They don't need need plant seeds or or gather harvest. They don't have storage rooms or barns. God feeds them. You're worth so much more than crows. Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? If you can't manage even such a small thing, why worry about other things? Look at how the wildflowers grow. They don't work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even the King Solomon, with all his wealth and clothes as beautiful as one with these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass. Grass is here today and gone tomorrow burned up in the oven. Won't he be all more sure to clothe you? What little faith you have. So don't be upset, always concerned about what you will eat or drink. For the pagans of the world are always concerned about all these things. Your father knows that you need these things. Instead, be concerned with his kingdom, and he will provide you with these things. Paul Sam, 65 to 8, verses 13. The whole world stands in awe at the great things you have done. Your deeds bring shouts of joy from the end of the earth to the other. You show care for the land by sending rain. You make it rich and fertile. You fill the streams with water. You provide the earth with crops. This is how you do it. You send abundant rain on the ploughed fields and soak it with water. You soften the soil, soil with your showers and cause your young plants to grow. What rich harvest your goodness provides. Wherever you go, there is plenty. The pastures are filled with flocks. The, hillside are, the hillsides are full with joy. The fields are covered with sheep. The valleys are full with wheat. Everything shouts and sings for joy. Thank you, Erin. That was a lot to read, so well done. Thank you. 
technology lets me down. Yep, there we go. Okay. Well, that starts up. Um, so it's harvest today, in case you hadn't guessed. Why do we have harvest? Anyone know why we have harvest? We have harvest to say thank you to God for all the good things he's given us through the year. And in some churches in the countryside, there might be people who work, or more people who work on farms than we've got here, so they would know an awful lot more about harvest and the hard work it is to bring all the, all the crops in um, and how the farmers worry through the year, are there going to be enough crops? And then at the end of the year, when they've brought all their crops in, they're saying thank you to God for all the crops that they've got. And that was, um, that was the reading from, from Psalms was about that. It was about saying, saying to God, thank you for all the good things he'd done. How he'd brought the rain that had made the crops grow and he'd brought the sunshine that had made the crops grow. And we said thank you to God for that. And that's partly why we bring all of these things. You know, okay, God doesn't make tins of beans grow. But he does make the beans grow that go into the tins. So, that's, so we bring these gifts in, eh? All right, it's not audience participation. <laughs> it's your turn in two weeks' time. Wait. I will. I will. I'll come and heckle you. There we go. Password. I'm glad I'm not someone that mutters the password to themselves while they type it in. That would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? So we bring these things in, and it's great look at the all the all the different things that the guides have brought and the brownies and brought in their tins um and we decided well i I made a pretty quick decision that we weren't going to start unpacking all the bags of things it would have looked nicer than than some carrier bags but then we just had to put them all back in the bags to take away again so basically i'm a bit lazy so (laughs) so we didn't bother unpacking the bags but thank you for all the all the stuff there and that's going to go to uh, the homeless shelter in Warrington and to the food bank in Warrington. Thanks, Carol. (laughs) So we've brought all these things in to say thank you, but we've also really kind of brought them in to share because we're saying that we've we've got enough. We've got enough food in our cupboards or we've got enough... Uh, money in the bank to buy a bit of extra food that we don't really need to bring in to give to someone else who either hasn't got a house to live in or who for whatever reason hasn't, isn't able to, to just pop down to the shops and buy some more food to feed their family so that, that's what makes us think about sharing and how it's good to share who likes sharing like sharing? Yeah. Sharing's a bit of a difficult thing in our house at times. Um, and so I thought I would share with you um, some rules for sharing that seem to be followed in our house, particularly by Zach, uh, the smallest, um, and Alice. These are the toddler's rules of sharing. Okay? So the first one is if I like it, it's mine if it's in my hand it's mine 
If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's still mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. All the Lego bricks, Ethan. <laughs> and the next one, there's more. Oh, this is where my formatting went wrong, sorry. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, it's yours. If it's broken but you're having fun playing with the pieces, it's mine again. And if there's ever any doubt, it's mine. Thank you, darling. These are mine. Thank you. If you lose your keys, there's a good chance that Zach will have moved them for you. Um, and if you have car keys that have the button that unlocks the door, he's probably already unlocked your door, so just so you know. So that's not really sharing, is it? That's just saying, it's mine, it's mine. And that's because little kids like Zach don't really know how to share. They just want to play with everything. And they just want to have everything. And that doesn't really work, does it? If you want to play with someone, you don't want to play with someone that's going to hog all the toys and then throw a strop as soon as you even look at the toys or think about playing with the toys. I'll tell you a story, okay? My little brother, who's about three years younger than me, and therefore still older than Brownies, when he was little, he had a friend who didn't like sharing any of his toys. Okay, and we'll call this friend Graham, because that was his name. Okay, and you don't know him, so that's okay. And Graham, when he was only about maybe two or three, um, used to bite as well. So if you played with his toys, he would bite you. It's not a good thing to do, okay? One day, my brother was over at Graham's house and they were playing together. And Ali, my brother, went to pick up this toy car that Graham wasn't playing with, but it was his. And as Ali picked it up, Graham tried to bite my brother. So my brother stuffed the car in his mouth just as he was about to bite him. <laughs> Don't do that either. That's not really very nice either. But you have to be... So you, Nick, you, Ethan, next time you see Uncle Ali, you ask him about the time Graham tried to bite him and he stuffed a car in his mouth, okay? That's not sharing, and that's not a nice way to play, is it? You, would, you wouldn't want to... I know. You wouldn't want to play with someone that bit you because they played with your toys, would you? So what does good sharing look like? Well, I've enlisted the help of a couple of people you might recognize to explain sharing. Here, birdie birdies, come and get it. Oh, it's delicious, huh? Yeah, here, eat up. Oh, hi! Oh, look what Elmo has. Two of Alan's super delicious oatmeal cookies. 
The cookie senses tingling. Oh. Oh, hi, Cookie Monster. Oh, hi, what Elmo. you doing? Oh, me feeding the birdies, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, Elmo, what you got there? Oh, just some cookies. Just cookies? They're no just when they come to cookies. Oh, what kind you got? Oh, oatmeal. <gasps> oh, Boy, oh boy, oatmeal cookies. Oh, me so hungry. Me going to get some. Oh, oh cookie monster, cookie oh. monster. These are the last two. What? Oh, please, no. Tell me there are no more cookies. There's no more cookies. Me told you not to tell me that. Oh, this terrible. What me going to do? Oh. oh. Boy, cookie monster really seems to want an oatmeal cookie. But, but Elmo has the last two. Oh, cruel fate, why you mock me? Has this ever happened to you? Has someone ever wanted something that you had? What did you do? What me going to do? Boy, this is hard. Maybe Elmo can find a way to figure it out. Hmm. Elmo really wants to eat both cookies. But he could give one to Cookie Monster. Then Elmo would still have a cookie, and everyone would be happy. Yeah, that's what Elmo would do. <laughs> hey, Cookie Monster, yeah. would you like to share Elmo's cookies? Share? Yeah, oh. yeah. Cookie Monster can have one, and Elmo can have one. <laughs> you do that for me? Oh, well, sure. Oh, boy, thank you, Elmo, <laughs> you good friend. Well, Cookie Monster is very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no! Shoo, bird! Shoo! Shoo! Oh, the humanity! Elmo's cookie! It's gone! Oh, this terrible! Elmo had two cookies, and Elmo was happy to share one. Yeah, you such good friend. But now Elmo has no cookies at all. Oh, what tragic irony. Elmo really wanted a cookie. You know, Elmo, you feeling disappointed. Disappointed? Yeah, you know that uh, sad feeling when things no work out the way you wanted? Me very familiar with that emotion. Oh, do you ever feel disappointed? Hey, we all get through this. We've been there. You're going to get over it. Oh, how? Yeah. No worry, little Elmo. Me got it all figured out. Here. Oh, Cookie Monster would share his cookie? Yep. It against me primal instinct, but you share with me, and me share with you. Ah, oh, well, thank you. Cookie Monster is a good friend. Oh, yeah, well, thank <laughs> you. Okay, what you say we eat these Cookie Monster style? Oh, okay. On count of three. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Cookie! Don't worry, the birds will be back. There we go. Cookie Monster, yeah. Cookie Monster and Elmo sharing cookies. Um, I have to admit, the first time I watched that, I was a bit skeptical about whether Cookie Monster was actually going to share his cookie with Elmo. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe Cookie Monster would go, oh, well, tough, you know. Um, um, and a message on behalf of whoever it is that's hoovering up at the end. Please do not eat your biscuits Cookie Monster style at the end of the service, okay? There are no birds to fly in and eat up the crumbs. Just a Henry Hoover. So that was a good way to share, wasn't it? And a good example of sharing. Because really, Elmo had more cookies than he needed. He had two cookies, 
And one was probably enough. And Cookie Monster didn't have any. And to be honest, one probably wasn't enough for Cookie Monster, but there we go. So Elmo was really kind, thank you, dude. Um, and shared his cookie, took both his cookies with Cookie Monster. And then when he didn't have one, Cookie Monster shared with him. We live in a world where God has provided enough for everybody. But because of the way we live, because of the way we live our lives, because of the way the world works or doesn't work, depending on your point of view, there are some people who've got loads, way more than they need, and some people who don't have enough. Excuse me, bud. I'm just going to put you over there. (laughs) Sorry. And sometimes it's easy to look at people who haven't got enough and say, well, it's their own fault. It's because they've done this. It's because they've done that. It's just the way the world is. What can we do? And sometimes we might not feel like we've got very much ourselves, but then when we look at other people, we realize we've got a lot more than we thought. I'm just going to wrap things up now with a a quick story about... um, the food bank. So the food bank in Warrington um, helps to give out food to people who've been referred to them because of circumstances. And I wanted to share a story of, of someone who's used a food bank. I've got the story from the, the Trussell Trust website. The Trussell Trust is a, a charity that organizes a lot of the food banks. Um, and I thought I'd go on there and get a story from somewhere that's nowhere near Warrington just in case someone happened to know someone or anything like that. So I've got a story um, about a lad called Josh from South Wales. Um, There he is. Um, He does bear a remarkable resemblance to someone that I know, but uh, (laughs) that's partly why I picked it. Um, So this is Josh. Um, Josh was taken into foster care at the age of 16. And after several housing changes and a relationship breakdown, he ended up living in a youth hostel. Things just went downhill, but I wanted to sort myself out, he admits. Struggling to afford food, Josh eventually found the courage to ask for help he needed and was referred to his local food bank, where he was instantly welcomed. I was a bit nervous, and I was only 16, but when I got to the food bank, the people were really nice. They sat down with me, we had a chat, and they made me feel welcome. The volunteers at the food bank also try to sort you out with other stuff. Even if they can't help you directly, they point you in the right direction and try to help you that little bit more. Josh is grateful that the food bank was there to help in his time of crisis. It made me feel really good when I, couldn't get food and speak, when I could get food and speak to people at the food bank. They're really nice people. You don't get many places like this. It's not a nice way to be when you have no food. And it's not just food. You've got to buy clothes now and then, washing powder and cleaning products. By the time you've bought all that and paid your bills, you don't have much left for food. You can't live like that. Although it's been difficult for Josh without family support, he's applying for work and hoping to turn his life around. When you're working, you feel better in yourself. You feel better when you wake up, when you go to work and after work. You meet new people and make new friends. It's just so much better. 
Josh hopes things will continue to improve, but after all he's been through so far, he still remains apprehensive about his future. I want a stable home and a working life, but I don't know what the future has in store. I want it to be good, but only time will tell. I don't know what's around the next corner yet. So, when we finish today, the food that we've brought in will go to the homeless shelter and we'll go to the food bank. And I know the, uh, the primary school are doing the same with their harvest offerings. Um, so, thank you very much for everything you've brought in. Um, and it really will make a difference to, to people's lives. So, yeah. Let's... Uh, finish up now with some some last songs <laughs>